Hi, and welcome to the Heart of a Perfectionist podcast. I'm your host, Tegan Thompson. I'm a book lover, a chocoholic, and an INTJ living in a world filled with extroverts. I made this podcast to share my experiences and struggles as an introverted perfectionist and to bring the inner workings of an introvert's mind to introverts and extroverts alike. So grab a cup of tea and get comfortable. It's time to unmute. and welcome back to another episode of the Heart of a Perfectionist podcast. Um, It's May and it's absolutely beautiful outside lately, so that's great. And it's also Mental Health Awareness Month, which means I am doing my mini-series on mental health. And this is the third episode of that mini-series. I will probably do one or two more episodes, so yeah, it's coming to an end, but we're about halfway through it now, so that's kind of exciting. Um, This week, we'll be talking about some of the misconceptions that much of society has um, about a few of the most common mental health disorders, and before I begin, I kind of wanted to note that The reason I've been putting so much emphasis on breaking the stigma surrounding mental health is because it's the stigma that hinders people from seeking help, and it's the stigma that causes mental health to be such a significant problem in the United States and uh, throughout the world. Uh, So, you know, working on breaking that stigma and allowing people to learn about and understand mental health will be will allow us to have better overall mental health care um, including the prevention of mental health disorders treating mental health disorders and educating people on mental health disorders uh so yeah and then one more thing before i jump in i just kind of want to say this episode might be a little bit of a trigger warning um just because I will kind of be going into some pretty great detail about some of these um mental health disorders and discussing some some things that might be a trigger to some people who do suffer from mental health disorders so I just wanted to put that um warning in there just so everyone knows um, before I start. Alright, with that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and jump right in, alright? So, the first thing I want to talk about is bipolar disorder, which is also known as manic depression, which to me is a better name because it kind of describes everything that encompasses this disorder. Um, so bipolar disorder, uh, is not what people often view as just like drastic changes in mood, right? So someone who's like really happy and then all of a sudden they become really sad or really mad or something or angry just within a few hours or within a day or they, they do not have bipolar disorder and Um, that's kind of a really big misconception that a lot of people have about bipolar disorder is that it's just kind of this random switch in mood, um, that can occur 
like within a day and that's not really how it works um and that's not what it is so bipolar disorder is made up of two states and both of these states can last several weeks on their own um the first state is the manic state or what can be considered as a someone going through a very severe high and the second state is a depressive state which can be described as someone going through a very severe low so kind of just breaking down bipolar disorder into really simple terms is when people go through really high highs and then they switch into really low lows um and these two different states result in changes in the individual's sleep and energy and thinking and their behavior. Um, so I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about these two states. So the manic state is when people are often, people with bipolar disorder are often overly excited and confident. They might come up with a whole bunch of random ideas that they're like, oh my gosh, I got to do this, or I got to try that, and like really excited and confident to try these things. Um, they can often be irritable and impulse, impulsive, making kind of reckless decisions. Um, and about half the people with bipolar disorder experience delusions and or hallucinations. Um, which I think is one of those things that aren't really talked about with bipolar disorder, but half of the people with bipolar disorder are experiencing those things, and so it should be something that is talked about more. Um, and then also with the manic state, there's a lot of a lack of sleep, um, where in individuals with bipolar disorder in the manic state will... Um, stay up all night and just kind of not really get any sleep um, and then on the other side of it is the depressive state and in the depressive state the symptoms are very consistent with and are pretty much the same as major depressive disorder so I will be talking about depression in a little bit so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about these symptoms but it includes feelings of sadness and a low mood, um, and also irritability and frustration. So, um, you know, it's the high highs and then the really low lows. And then something really important to note is that people with bipolar disorder often spend more time, um, with depressive symptoms than manic symptoms. So, um, you know, you might... Uh, you know, I feel like in our society and in media, bipolar disorder is kind of not accurately represented. And so I think that's just something really important to know. And then another thing I want to mention is that there's actually two types of bipolar disorder. So bipolar one disorder is where you have more extreme symptoms. So you have all of these symptoms, but they're very extreme and uh, very severe whereas bipolar 2 disorder is where you have more milder symptoms of both the manic and depressive states 
And so you get the same symptoms, there's just bipolar 1 disorder is more extreme, and bipolar 2 is less extreme, more mild of those symptoms. Okay, so I hope that kind of shed some light on what bipolar disorder really is um, and kind of helped you understand that it's not just like drastic changes in mood. Um, and hopefully you'll stop like using the term when people kind of change their mood when you're hanging out with friends or family and they change their mood and you're like, oh, why, like, what's wrong with you? Are you bipolar? Like, I really hope people stop saying that because that's inaccurate and continues to just spread that stereotype that we don't need. Um, so yeah, the next one I want to talk about is eating disorders. And I kind of just clumped it into eating disorders because I'm not going to talk about one specifically. Um, instead, I want to talk about the fact that society often portrays people with eating disorders as female and severely underweight. And this kind of has become the expectation of what an eating disorder looks like. Um, so, you know, like you might come across someone who's like really skinny and is a girl or maybe even a guy sometimes, but more often a female and be like, oh, she probably has an eating disorder and you know there's just kind of that expectation because they have that body type that they have an eating disorder um in reality eating disorders don't discriminate so i think that's so important like any person can have an eating disorder in fact one in three people struggling with an eating disorder is a male uh which is crazy this is a statistic that i didn't even know about until recently um I didn't know it was that high. So, you know, I feel like there's not that acknowledgement that men can have an eating disorder as well. And because of that, they're going to be struggling with those eating disorders on their own and not getting the treatment they need. And people aren't going to be looking at them for an eating disorder, right? They're going to be like, oh, they're fine or whatever, right? When in reality, there's no female predictive factor, right? Um, just because you're female does not mean you are more prone to getting an eating disorder. Um, in fact, it might just be more with how people place um, importance on societal expectations of beauty. And men have those expectations as well. Um, and so that's like so important so important like it's not just women going through this it's also men um and so you know just that we need to acknowledge that and i apologize for my dogs <laughs> but yeah we need to acknowledge that like it's not just women it's men also um that are struggling through this and not acknowledging it only hurts them more and so uh, we need to acknowledge it for everyone, men and female. All right. Also, anybody can be struggling with an eating disorder. So I know that kind of society and the media portrays eating disorders um, in people who are 
super underweight and like need to gain weight like they're like starving basically right and in reality people who are both overweight and are also healthy weights um can and do struggle with eating disorders just as much as underweight individuals um and you know this is so important this is this includes um eating disorders such as anorexia and binge eating you know just because someone might look healthy does not mean that they aren't struggling with an eating disorder or just because someone is overweight doesn't mean they're not struggling with an eating disorder everyone struggles in their own way and just because you're struggling with an eating disorder does not mean your body is physically going to change um you know if you if you stop eating your body actually goes into kind of a survival mode where it will stop burning calories you're going to lose a ton of energy because your body's going to be storing up that energy and those calories as fat and so you're actually gonna like keep on your weight in reality um i mean eventually if you do it long enough you're gonna lose weight because you can only store so many calories until you have to burn them just to stay alive but people who are overweight and people who are healthy weights can struggle with eating disorders um and the other symptoms that kind of go along with eating disorders such as excessive working out and um, things like body dysmorphia and stuff like that so it's so important to know that and um, kind of break that expectation in your head like you cannot tell who has an eating disorder by their physical appearance um, and that is like like the biggest thing I want to get across with eating disorders um, because when you don't acknowledge that any person can have an eating disorder or uh, mental health disorder in general it kind of no it does not kind of it does prevent people and you from seeing the warning signs and the symptoms in those that are close to you and around you um, and when you can't see those warning signs and the symptoms because you're blinded by what society has placed in your head as the expectation, you, you are unable to help the people you want to help. And it can be to the point where it just becomes too late. Um... So, like, that's just, that's just so, so important, you know, like, breaking these stereotypes so that you can be there for people who are struggling with any sort of mental health disorder, um, and also be there for yourself if you're struggling with mental health disorders, right? Acknowledging that you have a mental health disorder might be the biggest thing you need to overcome just so you can acknowledge that you are struggling with something that you can't fix it on your own and that you need help and that you need treatment and that's okay people need help uh you, you can't do everything on your own it's very very difficult so yeah um yeah so that's eating disorders 
that I wanted to talk, like, that's what I wanted to talk about with eating disorders. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is depression. And that's because depression or, um, it's also known as major depressive disorder or clinical depression. It's often viewed as kind of just like someone who has extreme sadness, someone who's really sad and like not happy kind of thing, right? It's just like this misconception that people can just snap out of it and be happy again. But this is false, you know, depression is so much more than just being sad. Um, and you can't just snap out of it. It's a complete change in your, um, in the chemistry of your brain. I mean, your brain functions differently when you have depression. So you can't just snap out of it. You need treatment. You need to get help in order to treat depression. Um, true depression occurs in episodes. And so what I mean by that is an episode usually lasts at least two weeks and can last as long as several years. Um, so people with depression, it doesn't mean they're always in a depressive state for the rest of their life, right? Um, what usually happens is that they might be in a depressive state for a few months or a year or something, and they'll kind of enter back into a more normal um, mood, energy, behaviors and stuff. Um, and you can have one episode in your lifetime or you can have several over the span of your life. So you could have one depressive uh, episode and, you know, that might be it. But you might have more later on in life and you never really know to be honest. Um, that's why it's so important to get the treatment right away so that you can kind of take preventative steps after you've had a depressive episode, um, so that you can prevent future depressive, uh, depressive episodes, um, or at least lessen them. Um, so I want to talk about the symptoms and I'm kind of going to go into a little bit of detail with the symptoms because I want to take away this misconception that depression is just sadness um, because it's really not. It's so much more um, and like to the point where these symptoms often cause difficulty for people with depression to function and perform their normal day-to-day -day tasks and activities. So um, I, it, it, like it goes beyond mental um, it affects people physically as well. So the first thing I have is uh, the obvious um, feelings of sadness, emptiness, and hopelessness, right? This is kind of the thing that is often viewed with depression and is kind of the expectation, right? But you don't necessarily need to feel this way in order to have depression, but um, often people feel sad, um, Kind of just like this empty feeling and like their life and the world is hopeless almost um but it also includes things uh like angry outbursts irritability and frustration uh, loss of interest and or pleasure in most or all activities um so that can include things that people love like someone who 
loves to go to work and socialize with their co-workers might all of a sudden not all of a sudden but might in a depressive state stop having that interest and desire to go to work and interact with their people so they with their co-workers so they might kind of um isolate themselves they might call in sick when they're not really sick um and kind of just like stop going to work um but yeah so another really big thing is this loss of interest and pleasure in things that people normally have interest and pleasure in um also disturbances to sleep this can include insomnia so a lack of sleep not being able to fall asleep not being able to stay asleep um not getting the amount of sleep that a person needs in order to function or it also might be too much sleep where people are sleeping um 12 14 16 hours a day kind of stuff um it includes feeling tired and having a lack of energy reduced or increased appetite along with weight loss or weight gain uh anxiety and agitation um and this is where kind of anxiety and depression often kind of go hand in hand with each other for a lot of people not always but they do for some people um depression includes slowed thinking speaking or even body movements so someone might start moving slower or they kind of might slur their speech because it's kind of coming out slower um and those are kind of more physical symptoms that you might see in those th- in someone with depression. Um, also, feelings of worthlessness and guilt. Uh, kind of feeling like you're not worthy, like you don't deserve things in life, or the people around you, or the things that you have. Um, and kind of dwelling on past mistakes and past trauma also difficulty in thinking and concentrating making decisions and uh, remembering things um so kind of struggling to like with your memory and to make proper decisions and just being able to focus on things like with work or school um, or family or friends, you know, um, and then also having frequent or recurrent thoughts of death, suicidal thoughts, uh, having suicide attempts, uh, or even suicide, um, and I know this is difficult for a lot of people to discuss, um, one, because it makes people uncomfortable, and two, because there are a lot of people who either have struggled with this, know someone who's struggled with this, or are currently struggling with this, right? Um, but this is a really big thing and a really scary thing. Uh, and that's why depression is something that should not be taken lightly. Because even though you might start with some of these other milder symptoms, 
if you're not treating your depression, it's only going to get worse and more than likely you're going to end up moving into suicidal thoughts and things like that. And I know it's difficult to discuss that, but taking preventative steps and focusing on your treatment is so important. Um, and that's why it's so important to remove that stigma and that's uh, the stereotypes around mental health disorders so that people can get that treatment they need before it becomes a life or death matter, you know? Um, and then also unexplained physical problems, which might include like back pain or headaches or um, stomach pain. Um, some stuff like that. So those are kind of, those are the symptoms of depression and you don't need to have all of the symptoms in order to have depression, but you need to have, uh, I think it's at least five of the symptoms in order to be experiencing depression, to act, to have depression. And one of them has to be either feelings of sadness, loss of interest, um, or I don't remember the third one. I think it might be disturbances to sleep, but I'm not very sure. You can always look it up on your own, but, um, that kind of just goes to show my point that depression is so much more than just sadness. Like someone who's diagnosed with depression is not just experiencing sadness they might not even be experiencing sadness. They might be experiencing some other symptoms. And that's why some people are like, oh, you have depression? Well, that's so shocking. Well, yeah, because you don't really know what depression is. And that's why it's so important to educate people on that so you can be aware of what it is. You know, otherwise you miss those warning signs, right? And someone goes, uh, you know, without the help they need. All right. <laughs> and the last... Thing I want to talk about is not one disorder but two different ones. I want to talk about panic attacks versus anxiety attacks and this is because people often use these terms interchangeably right like they're the same thing um, but in reality they are two totally not totally different but very different conditions. Um, so panic attacks come on suddenly and they can either be expected, uh, with a known external stressor, such as like a phobia. This is a little less common, um, but more often they're unexpected with an unknown cause, um, of kind of triggering this panic attack. And they involve an intense and overwhelming fear. And this includes a fear of dying or losing control. Also, with panic attacks, people often have a sense of detachment from the world or from oneself. And then there are a lot of physical symptoms. I'm not going to list them all, but I'll list some of the big ones such as heart palpitations or increased heart rate, chest pain, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling or shaking, numbness, nausea, or headaches. Um, there's more, but 
you know, those are kind of some of the bigger ones that I wanted to mention. Um, so panic attacks, they come on suddenly. Whereas anxiety attacks, they often come on gradually due to the anticipation of a stressful situation. And they include many of the same physical symptoms, but they are less intense than panic attacks. Um, and people who are experiencing an anxiety attack often have uh, feelings of worry, distress, restlessness, and also some fear. Um, so anxiety attacks are more surrounding and connected to anxiety disorder and kind of the distress and the worry that comes with the anticipation of a stressful event or situation, or like knowing something that's coming that kind of is scary to you or something you worry about. Um, so because of that anticipation, anxiety attacks tend to come on more gradually. And so panic attacks and anxiety attacks, while they might have a lot of the same symptoms, uh, physically, they are triggered by two very different things, um, you know, and they, they come on differently, right? Panic attacks are sudden, um, like no warning kind of thing. And anxiety attacks, there's something that people probably can feel coming on in advance before it actually happens. Um, and I wanted to talk about the difference between these two because people do use these terms so interchangeably and they're really not. And I think it's really important to know that there's a difference between them. Um, just because, you know, they, they're triggered by different things, right? And when things are triggered by different things, they're going to have different types of treatments. So knowing the difference between those two uh, can help people when they're seeking treatment. So those are kind of the four big things I four big mental health disorders I wanted to talk about in regards to stereotypes and misconceptions. Um, and the last thing I just want to say is that education and awareness about mental health disorders and the symptoms that come with them and how to prevent them, how to seek treatment, uh, is so, so, so important. It's, it's essential for people who are struggling with them to be able to seek that treatment they need because mental health disorders don't go away on their own. They need treatment. Um, and so knowing how to do that, knowing you have people to support you and back you up is so important. And then even if you're not struggling with them, knowing how to support people, knowing how to see the warning signs so that you can catch it early, um, and start treating it as soon as possible is so important. Um, and yeah, so, uh, I'm going to say this for as long as I live, like mental health is 
just as important, if not more important than your physical health. And people do not treat it as such. So bringing awareness to it, I hope that I can kind of educate people and spark the light in people to maybe share that with others as well um, is important to me because I I want people to be aware of how important your mental health is and treating it as part of your physical being because it affects your physical being so mental health is important and I love that it's mental health awareness month because I get to talk about it and I mean I can talk about it any other time as well but I feel like I have an excuse to talk about it so I'm gonna talk about it uh, but yeah uh, we're over 30 minutes at this point so I'm gonna be done uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the heart of a perfectionist podcast If you enjoyed this episode or if you learned anything new, please go share it with a friend. And as always, have a good weekend. And I look forward to seeing you guys again next week on the Heart of a Perfectionist podcast.